my age or even younger, our moms have passed on. But I have down here, it's somewhat of a misnomer to take a day. Yes, it is nice to recognize moms today, but church, we should honor them, we should respect them every day. Because I think there's a commandment that says, honor thy father and mother. And it doesn't just say on June 17th or May 13th. We don't honor our moms every day. They are a gift from God. A godly mom, a godly woman is a gift from God. And we should honor them every day, yes? And, you know, we can look at all the various descriptions and roles of books that are written or what people say or the Freuds of the world, who is a little twisted anyway, and we can get all the depictions of what a wife a or a woman should be. But like any life situation, the best place to look is in the Holy Scriptures. To get our description of what a godly woman should be should be found in the pages of scriptures, and that's what we should look to emulate. Not the, what the world's going to tell us, not what the crazy psychologists are going to tell us, but what the Word of God tells us. So this morning, being that it's Mother's Day, let's look at what the Bible has to say about a virtuous woman. And the best passage, well, you can kind of get it from over there, Proverbs 31. It's the classic that pastors use on Mother's Day to look at the virtuous woman. So with that said, please turn to Proverbs 31, verse 10. Proverbs 31, verse 10. And I can tell that allergy season is in full bloom. If you can hear my voice, I'm starting to get that raspiness. All right, and so it starts. Who can, I'm reading in the King, New King James. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of a husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, uh, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and a lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds out the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. She, yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is of fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits amongst the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel and exceed them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hand. So today we're going to kind of go through this and look at some of these scriptures and some of the characteristics of the godly wife, the godly woman, the godly mom from a different perspective. We're going to look at it from God's perspective, amen, and see that this is quite different from what the world will tell us. Society has come and told us that there's no real difference between the sexes and that the roles between men and women, they mock the biblical roles that God has for men and women. And if we would look at it biblically 
and take those roles, we will see that men and women ought to complement each other to fulfill what God had from them from the beginning. Amen? So as the society today knocks against and emasculates men or tries to make women into something that really God didn't intend them to be, let's look at it from a biblical perspective and see how we'd honor these women of God. That when you take the role as a woman that God has prepared for you, you will be blessed not only now, but through eternity. Amen? So let's begin by looking at verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? This is someone, right, possessing these outstanding qualities, for her worth is far more than rubies. All right, so who can find this virtue? And let me begin by saying this. Guys, when God brings this type of woman, a virtuous woman, into our life, the one we're going to speak about this morning, please acknowledge it as a blessing from God. Amen? To have a virtuous, God-fearing wife is a blessing from God. And why? Because a God-fearing woman who lives her life, listen to me, from a biblical perspective is a rare and great find. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? I just listened to some of the kids at school or some of the young adults to find a woman, our young women, Morgan, our young women out there, Stephanie, Rachel, if you become that woman of Christ, you will be a rare find. You will be different from all that is out there, and a godly man will be drawn to you. Amen. Do you hear me? Amen. Mia, though she's young, girls, jazz, be that godly woman that God wants you to be, and you will draw a godly man to yourself. You won't draw the slobs that are out there just looking for one thing. Excuse me. All right? I was there and had the scars. Right? I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm a little blue-collar. But um, listen, you're, it says that she's worth more than valued jewels for the blessing that she will bring to you. And listen, I can tell you from experience, I am a blessed man that I have a virtuous woman in my life. I had a wonderful mom, and I'm blessed that I have a wonderful wife. Amen? And listen, when you have a helpmate, a partner who is a godly woman, it just gives us as men an ease that we don't have to worry about the back door. We can take it and do what we have to do here because our back is covered by our brides, our helpmate. Amen? Praise the Lord. So the writer of Proverbs here says that a woman with this virtual character is more valuable than rubies. Now, listen to me carefully, and I brought this out a few years ago. We're not talking about the little ruby red stone when, he, when the author writes this. He's talking about these pink pearls that are found in the Red Sea, in mollusks of the Red Sea, and they're very, very rare. They're very rare. Do you hear me? And they are of great value. And why? Let's the supply, uh, principle of supply and demand. If there's not a lot, it's of more value. Well, these are so rare that they're of great value. So what the writer is saying here is that when you find a virtuous woman, it's like one of these pink pearls. They're rare and of great value. Do you hear me? And so it is with this virtuous wife who fears God, who wants to apply biblical principles to her own life, her marriage, and her family. And let me tell you this, in this day and age, it is a rare find to find a virtuous woman who fears God and loves God, yes? So men, young men, Ryan, you're fortunate, you found Dana. Young men, when you find a virtuous woman who fears God and serves the Lord, cherish that. Look for that. Don't look for what's out there because they're going to be chasing the things of this world. Oh, I need a Ferrari, I need a bigger house, I need the, you know, have my hair permed every two weeks, nails done. They're looking for the wrong things. 
You want to find somebody who fears God and honors the Lord. Amen? And for a moment here, look, let's go back to the book of beginnings. Go to Genesis 2, verses 18 to 24, and look at Adam. We're going to check out Adam when he finally gets to see Eve. Genesis 2, 18 to 24. It says, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to stop here a second. People, we're made to be relational. We are relational people, and I brought this out a couple of weeks ago. That's why I'm so concerned about technology. Everybody's doing this, or on the Xbox or the idiot box. We're made to be relational, so we need to interact with each other. So it was good for man not to be alone. And so the Lord says he'll make a a helper who is suitable, one who is going to complement. You know what the word complement means in math? It means that two 45-degree angles make a right angle. So when you take a man and a woman who are in their roles, 45 degrees each, they will complement each other and they'll make it right. You hear me? You hear me? So that's what God wants, someone to complement. We are to complement each other, husband and wives. All right, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But for poor Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, took one of the man's ribs, closed it up with a place of flesh, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, taken out a man, and she brought him to the man. And look at Adam. Whoa! The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Personally, I think he went, what ho, look at that. There's somebody who walks on two legs, just like me. Could you imagine all that time? He's naming all these four-legged creatures. He's like, yo, what about me? So he names all the animals, and there's no one for him. Uh, There's two zebra, there's two elephants, oh dear, there's two, right? He names all these animals, and they all have a compliment, a a mate, a male and a female. But he's looking, he goes, and what about me? So what happens is God's giving him a holy curiosity, a holy desire for someone like himself. And all of a sudden, he sees Eve. Whoa, two legs, walks upright. She's mine. And he's, he just embraces her, and what happens? They become, unite, they become one flesh. And I brought this out. Help me, Hebrew teacher. The word is ikad. E-C-H-O-D means a union. They cleave and become one flesh. They complement each other. So Adam cherishes her, takes her as a wife, and sees her as a blessing from God because he couldn't, didn't see any animals that looked like him, but when he saw Eve, he knew. It was bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh and he unites with her. And gentlemen, what I'm trying to bring out here is that when the Lord brings a gift of a virtuous woman, receive it as a blessing from God. Don't settle for what the world is going to tell you. The media, guys, when you look and you go into CVS and there's everybody on the covers, they're airbrushed, man. They ain't real. Take a gander at them with their makeup off. You'd be aghast. Aghast. Right? Oof. It's like, you know, oof. What happened? So... But look for what God would have, not what the media will tell you, not what TV tells you, not what the world tells you is a virtuous woman. Look for a woman who fears God. Amen? Look for a woman that we're about to talk about who's going to carry these um, virtues, if you will. Now, let's get an idea of the character of this virtuous woman. First of all, 
Virtuous literally translate a woman of strength. The virtuous comes from a noun meaning strength, efficiency, and ability. And let me just give you a scripture here to build a case so we can make practical application of what this virtuous woman is like, but we're going to use a little scripture for, about, from Moses. Moses' father-in-law gives him advice, and he says, listen, go and find 70 able men. All right, now word is virtuous. Go find some virtuous men that you can give some of the leadership role to. And listen to what it says in Exodus 18.21. It says, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, virtuous men, such as fear God, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, hating sin. In light of this verse, we can say that Moses is looking for a man who fears God, amen? They're men of truth, and they hate sin. And from this scripture, we see this is the idea of what a virtuous person is. They're going to fear God, they're going to love the truth of his word, and they're going to hate sin. In the same way, a virtuous wife is hard to find, but when looking for such a woman, find one who fears the Lord, loves the truth, and hates sin. And we're not talking about looking at some, the sin in somebody else's life, but is upset with the sin in her own life and looks to be molded into the image of Christ and get rid of those bents within her own life to become more like Christ and a godly woman. This is the kind of woman that we are supposed to look for, a virtuous woman. This is the kind of woman that you guys, ladies out there, should desire to be. And to some degree, this really gives a general overview of the virtuous woman, wife, and mom. And ladies, since this is your day, I'm going to ask you, is this the kind of woman? Is this the kind of wife? Is this the kind of mom you desire to be? One who fears God, who puts him first, and will look into the scriptures and understand the reverence that we are to have for Almighty God. Is this the kind, are you the kind of woman who's going to live by the truth? and hate sin in your own life so that you become more Christ-like. Because I brought out when we studied Romans, Romans 8, 28 and 29, that the biggest thing God wants for us is to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. So is this the kind of woman you desire to be, one who is molded into the image of Christ? And listen, it is possible if you're born again. Do you hear me? It's possible because you are spirit-filled and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the kinds of things that needs to be to become more like Christ. Amen? But I have to ask you, it has to be your choice to pursue such a calling. It has to be your desire to become the kind of woman that God wants you to be. Amen? And I'll stress very strongly, it has to be a priority to put the things of God first in your life instead of the things of the world. The whole world is trying to pull you away from what God really desires of you as a woman. And guys, you'll get ours on, on Father's Day. But it the scriptures are what should guide and direct you as a wife, as a mom, and as a woman. Not what the world says. Look, look at the lies behind, behind some of these people that Hollywood and everything shows up. They're on six, seven divorces. Their lives are chaos. I mean, someone pulled up at work the other day a picture of Meg Ryan after she had all this surgery. She looks like the Joker because she wants to look so beautiful. As we'll get into it, and I'm getting ahead of myself, the Lord doesn't desire all that outward beauty. He desires the inward beauty. A woman who serves and loves God, loves her husband and her family. Amen? And listen, you may be sitting here and beating yourself up saying, oh, how can I measure up to this? Let me tell you something. God's not looking for perfection. 
nor should your husband or children be looking for perfection. As my pastor used to say, we're looking for consistency. Someone who's going on with God. Someone who wants to become more Christ-like as a woman, as a wife, as a mom. And it's times we're going to blow it, but that's when we go and we talk about forgiveness. God forgives us and we go to our spouse or our children, we ask forgiveness and we move on. Amen? And gentlemen, shame on us if we're looking for perfection. You want to know why? Because if you want to see, go look in the mirror, look at the bonehead who's looking back at you and you'll see one of the most imperfect people you know about. Because there are many times, come on guys, that as husbands, we are curt, we're short, I blew it already this morning, all right, and I had to ask my wife's forgiveness, but there are times, we, we make mistakes too, right? But, and so we go to our wives and we say, we know you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, you ask forgiveness, you mend the relationship, and you move forward in Christ, amen? Praise the Lord. All right, now, what we should do is instead look as a, at our wife as the new creation that God is molding into the image of Jesus Christ, amen? and then be the one who's going to assist the Lord in that molding process. Pray with your wife. Pray for your wife. Spend time with her, all right? And grow together in Christ. Be with her in church here, yes? And grow together in Christ. And be part of the molding process. It's something that we as husbands have to own. And this actually leads me into something we gleaned from verses 11 and 12 in Proverbs 31. Go back there if you were in Genesis. Proverbs uh, 31, 11 and 12. Look what it says. The heart of a husband safely trusts her, so will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And listen carefully here. The word tells us that the heart of her husband safely trusts her. And this isn't just a mental assent that we get like, oh, we're in a relationship, can I trust you? And you see that, especially with our teenagers and young adults, oh, can I trust them to go out on Friday night without me? Yeah, you can, all right? But this is more of a heart issue, where it goes to deep in the heart, where I can truly trust my wife with everything, her fidelity, the finances, whatever it is. It goes deep into a man's heart that I can truly trust this woman because I know that she's serving the Lord God and is going to live by his principles. So that's what's going to drive her life. So then I can trust her because I know she fears the Lord first and that she's going to do the right thing by her husband, by her family, and what she does. Amen? And what the writer brings out is this goes beyond, again, mental assent. Ladies, we know that as the, we are the husband, father, is supposed to be the federal head over the family, and that is our spiritual role, yes, men, to be the spiritual leader and head over our family. And we have that responsibility. But listen, a wife, a mom, has an enormous influence over her family. It can either be to the building up of her household or the breaking down of her household. A mom has an enormous influence over her family. We dads, we do our thing, you know, we're kind of aloof at times, not as emotional, some of us. And then... Um, but moms, they got their pulse on the kids, they got the pulse on their household. You have a great influence on your family. You pray for your children, you pray for your husband, you will have a great influence on your family. Listen to Proverbs 14.1. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. The wise woman builds her house. The foolish one, the morally depraved, the one chasing after things of this world will tear down her house. And Proverbs 12, 4 says this, an excellent wife is a crown of her husband, 
but she who causes him shame is like rottenness to his bones. A husband who is blessed with a godly wife is as joyous if he was sitting upon a throne. Do you hear me? For she is no less than a crown to him. And as, as I was thinking of this, when you, when you would enter the king's throne room, and the first thing you kind of notice is the crown, that gold with the jewels on it. And I thought about this when King David went to fight against the Ammonites, and he defeats them. They put a crown on his head, and it says it's one talent. We read that, okay, one talent. You know what one talent of gold was? 75 pounds. So you imagine they put this 75-pound crown that's adorned with jewels. Well, guys, when we have a virtuous wife and people see us and she's with us, it's like that crown of gold. That when they look, they see the beauty of that wife. And not just the physical beauty, but what she means in the relationship to a husband. Do you hear me? A virtuous woman that is active for the good and the welfare of a family and applies the principles of scriptures to a family owns her husband as his head. She crowns him with glory, if you will. And she's like a crown to him. She's both an asset to him and the family. And she is an honor, an honor when he walks with her. And I, I have this down here. I'm as proud as Peacock when I walk with my wife. Now, to me, I, she's beautiful. But not only that, I have seen her in a beauty. I know who my wife is. And I'm very proud because when I walk with her, she compliments me. Actually, I compliment her. All right? But look at this mug. I compliment her. Yeah, it wasn't always like that. All right, listen. <laughs> All right, so if you look at verse 23, look what it says. A husband is known at the gates when he sits uh, among the elders of the land. She's made him so that when he sits there, she knows that they know that he ha his wife has complimented him, that he's okay in his household. He's okay with his wife. So he actually stands out amongst the elders of the town. I have down... His, she compliments his success, how he is viewed, his reputation. And men, let me say this, our reputation starts at home. Do you hear me? How we treat our wives and kids, our reputation starts at home. And it can carry into other things we do. When people see how we treat our wife and our children, it speaks to what's really going on behind the scenes. Do you hear me? So and that will carry into other parts of our life. So a husband sits at the gates. And his reputation is fine because they know how he is within his own household, yes? Listen to 1 Peter 3, 1 to 5. It says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing some gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be of that inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Look, physical beauty is going to fade. Yes? And after a while, we get used to each other, physical beauty fades. Look, I'll show you a picture when I was 22, 18 and a half inch arms, I was a big guy. But now it's faded. <laughs> I used to be six foot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but physical beauty will fade. It's that inner beauty. It's that inner beauty that I, you know, I've seen over the 35 years with Teresa that, that keeps us and what you can see in her, right? And I'm, I'm sorry to put you on the spot today, hon, but I love you, all right? But um, 
That's what God looks for, is the inner beauty of a woman who fears God, applies those principles to her life. And let me tell you, I've been in this church a while. There are a lot of virtuous women in this church. I've seen godly wives. I'm sorry, Don, I'm going to call you out too because I know you longer, and Eileen and, and Ellen. I've seen these ladies and how they love their wives. Joni, how you love your husband. And you see the virtuous woman, the woman behind the man, pushing their men to become godly men, trying to see them grow in the Lord, working as a family. Amen? And it's that inward beauty. They're beautiful on the outside also. I'm not calling anybody ugly here, but it's that inward beauty. All right? All right. I know I'm being silly this morning. I'm, I apologize. On the contrary, listen, that's the virtuous woman. She's going to build up her family, build up her home. You'll see it in her husband, the joy in her husband, the joy in her children. On the contrary, look at the woman who doesn't, the foolish woman. She's like an incurable disease, and it can cause her husband to feel weak, defeated, which can result in a crumbling of his household. It says like it's rottenness to his bones. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Let's walk through Scripture and just see what kind of influence a wife can be. All right, listen to 1 Kings. Everybody remember King Solomon? He met with the Lord twice, face to face. Do you hear me? Face to face, spoke with God. He asked for wisdom. God gave more of the wisdom in the world, but being a typical man, guess what led him astray? Women. All right, look, 1 Kings 11, 1 to 6, says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign, foreign, foreign women. He wasn't keeping his eyes on a woman of God, a godly woman, a Jewish woman who feared God and loved the Lord. He went to foreign women, besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations where the Lord told the Israel, you must not intermarry with them because they're going to draw you away from a relationship with the living God. And they led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and he was not fully committed to the Lord. Do you hear me? That's the influence a woman of this world, young men, older men, will have on you. They will pull you away from the things of God to chase after the things of the world. So young men, look for the godly woman that you may want to have as a wife who will fear God and put those principles at work in her life so that when you go out the door, you don't have to worry about what's going on in there. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And take it further, look at 2 Kings 8, 16-18. It says, In the fifth year of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, began his reign. He was 32 when he began to reign in Jerusalem, and he reigned eight years. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel. Now, if you know of the kings of the northern kingdom, they walked away from the Lord. And then he married a daughter of Ahab, an apostate king who was influenced by his wife Jezebel. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. His wife led the king astray. Again, he marries a daughter of Jezebel and Ahab, who were apostate, who weren't serving the Lord. And what happens? The king is led astray because he married a woman who was chasing after the things of this world, bowing down to other gods instead of serving the Lord God. Amen? So listen, for this purpose... The Lord desires women that you support your husband, and they do, with the spiritual and physical welfare of your family. When you are a woman of God, you will have such a strong influence on your husband, you will have such a strong influence on your family. Do you hear me? But I'll say this. Choose wisely, ladies, because the path you will follow will 
have an influence on your marriage and on your family. And let me say this, and I'll say it. When you do it God's way, it's going to work. Now, there may be divots, and there may be bumps in the road. But remember, God's using those to mold you into the image of God, mold your family into the image of God. Amen? But if you do it his way, and you stay focused on the Lord, it is the best way. Amen? You hear what I'm saying? All right. Apply God's principles of womanhood, apply God's principles of wifehood, and apply God's principles of motherhood, and the man of God who holds you in his arms can rest in full confidence and trust you in his heart of hearts. He can trust your life, your lifestyle, and influence will be to the benefit of himself and to his children. Not to their harm, but to their benefit when you do it God's way. All right, let's look at one last point this morning. And we've discussed the qualities of a virtuous woman, and we've seen how she's a crown to her husband, that she does good by her family, right? But now look what it says in verses 27 and 28. It says, see how she also is an influence in her household. Look at Proverbs 31, 27, and 28. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Family, listen to this. Just as an eagle soars in the sky, carrying out the responsibility, now as an eagle goes, she, he's looking or she's looking for food along the ground to feed her family, take care of her family, but she also hovers that she keeps an eye on the nest to protect the young she left behind. And so this is what we're talking about here. Listen, this, this is good. When the writer says this virtuous woman keeps watch over her household, in the original verb it means to look out or spy out. It is the same idea that scripture talks about a watchman. Now we've all read the scripture about the watchman on the wall. It's like that eagle soaring, looking to meet the needs of a family, but also with one eye, keeping the protection of a family. So listen to 2 Kings 9, 17. It says this, When the lookout, standing on the tower in Jezreel, saw Jehu's troops approaching and called out, I see some troops coming. Get a horseman, Joram ordered. Send them to meet him and ask, do you come in peace? And in Ezekiel uh, 3, 17 and 33, 7, listen to what it says. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give the warning from me. 33.7. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So the word I speak, give them warning. So this is what the scripture is saying about this woman. She is a watchman over her family. She's like that eagle soaring, doing what she has to do to care for her family, but keeping an eye and protecting the young. So she's also that watchman. She's watching over her husband. She's watching over her children for their benefit and not for their harm. So her life is lived to be an asset to her family, to her husband and to her children. Amen? All right, so I believe you know where I'm going. A watchman looks over the city, gives warning to protect and keep, and so a godly woman watches over her household to keep protection over them, to keep them from danger, to keep them from harm. She'll keep watch over your friendships, children. So don't be mad when they hack your Facebook or hack your social media thing. They're making sure that you're on the right track. All right, I know some of you are old now. All little guys are in the back. But when I notice they're growing up and you ask them, all right, you're going out? I want the name. I want the place. I want all the stuff where you're going. She's being a watchman. Don't get mad at her because moms are concerned about us. They don't want us getting out there and getting in trouble. Amen? I got to tell you a true story. This was just happened last week. I got a kid. He's 15, and every weekend he's a weekend warrior. And I had a, a CSC meeting with the mom, and I had to bring it out. 
was like, you know, your kid's 15. He's waking up passed out drunk in your house. You got to do something. So now, the, uh, actually, the psychologist is going to get involved and call her and talk to her about it. That's what I'm talking about. That's not a good watchman over your family. If your 15-year-old is getting tanked every weekend, he's going to either be an alcoholic or a couple of weeks ago, he got in a fight. Again, a bunch of guys got in a fight. He busted up his lip, hurt his shoulder. He's a little cross player. He could have got hurt. But parent, watch over your kid. You know he's doing this. Do something about it. Godly parents will do something. They'll watch over. And when these things happen, we will give you godly counsel. And when the kids should listen, I wish the kids were in here, but when are, as parents, we tell you certain things, we've, yes, hi, Rachel, we've got, been there and got the scars. Amen? And we don't want you guys getting in trouble. We know what's out there. Do you hear me? All right. So as husbands, we're not off the hook. Because let me tell you, our wives are watchmen over us, protecting us, yes? God has given women, as my pastors teach, like a sixth sense, an intuitiveness. So when your wife comes and gives you counsel or wisdom, listen to her. Do you hear me? Now, I'm not talking about ragging and nagging, ladies. That constant drip that can drive you crazy. But I'm talking about godly intuitiveness. Or when they come to you in a situation and say, honey, listen because the Lord is using them to be an influence in your life, yes? And listen, I have down here, there have been many times Teresa counsels me. She knows I can go off half-cocked or stick my foot in my mouth. She knows it. So she'll come to me and say, Ron, you know the position you're in now? You can't really do that or say that. And I listen to my wife. And then I take a step back, pray about it, and listen to the counsel of my wife so I don't go out there and stick my foot in my mouth. So if you look at verse 26, it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. And that's what a wife will do for her husband. She'll come and she'll say, honey, let me give you counsel. Now, Gina, I'm looking at you because I know you counsel Chris and he listens to you, right? Because guys, we are boneheads at times. All right, but so listen to the counsel of your wife, a godly wife, a godly woman who's do, taking from the principles of God's word and giving back to you so you apply them and don't stick your foot in your mouth or end up in hot soup. And the one I think about here, remember when David's coming? And man, he's ticked. He sends his guys. He's taking care of his, uh, Nabal's sheep. He's watching over them. And so he sends some guys, hey, listen, can we have a few sheep to shear and, and, and eat? We've been watching over your sheep for the entire season. And Nabal gives him this nasty, nasty remark. And all of a sudden, David does a rob. He's like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to kill every one of them. All the males of the household, they're done, right? And as he comes, there's Abigail with wisdom, though she's not David's husband, comes and speaks him and talks him down. He listened to her counsel. And he said he avoided shedding innocent blood. And poor Nabal, he got spared, but then he had a heart attack when he found out what was going on. But when we listen to the counsel, of a godly wife or even a godly woman who speaks to you and gives you counsel. Juanita, Joe's sister, uh, when we were first, and we just kind of got reconnected, but we were young in the Lord, Teresa and I, we listened to her godly counsel. She was wonderful, wonderful. If anybody was at the women's um, retreat, Juanita is a godly woman. So when she counsels, you listen, amen? And listen, um, my wife has been a watchman, and ladies, you should be a watchman. Watchman over because a virtuous wife looks to protect a family from spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, fill-in-the-blank harm, all right? So a godly woman will look to do that for a family. And as this, uh, 
And as this endeavor to watch over her home carries over into all areas of her life, the writer of Proverbs says this, tells us that she's not idle. She can also be translated, she's not lazy. So a godly woman is not going to be those ones who's going to attend the little knitting club and gossip all day long. She's not going to be idle. She'll be working with her hands. If you look at verses 13 to 26, that virtuous woman is busy about her work to care for her family, to care for her husband, to care for herself. And ladies, I'm going to say it. When you, you know, we love you. We love you just the way you are. But it doesn't hurt once in a while when we come home that you, you know, you're looking good. It's kind of good. All right? All right, I'm throwing it out there. You know, when your husband comes home, take care of yourself. It, looks, it says she strengthens her arms. In other words, she takes care of herself. All right? She doesn't become the couch potato. All right? She's not idle. Listen to Proverbs. Look at the opposite. Look at the Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. It says this. And understand that the virtuous woman is opposite of what you're going to hear. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty is going to come upon you like a thief. All righty? So what he's telling us here is the virtuous woman isn't like that. She's not like the sluggard. She's not idle. She's not lazy. She's doing to care for herself, to care for her family. And if you read in there, also to care for the needy and the poor. So she not only worries about our household, and I've seen it in this church, when there's a need, like when Judy Duck needed a meal, people stepped up and they went and did. That's what the virtuous people of the church do, virtuous ladies do. We see a need and we'll bring it to the congregation. Your friend Dawn, how you've stepped out and you've tried to meet her needs, right, with groceries and stuff, because you're a virtuous woman and you look to help the poor and needy. That's what you guys do, all right? And you have to get us by the ear and say, we need to do this, honey, yes, dear, all right, to help other people out. And I've seen it with the men, too, guys, that when there's a need, the men step up. There are some men in here who have done some real kind things for others. Amen? So praise the Lord. So what he's saying here is she's not idle, but industrious. She's busy with the concerns of a home, and she's not a busybody, right? She's not going out and, again, being involved in gossip and slander and all those things that busybodies do. And ladies... You may seem to be overwhelmed by all that I'm saying here today, to be this type of woman, to be this type of wife or mom. But let me tell you this. If you want to be that kind of woman, the first thing you have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because once you are born again and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are now have the fruit of the Spirit within you to be the kind of woman that God wants you to be, that agape love, a sacrificial love that you cannot do in and of yourself. You can have that joy in the midst of any test that comes to your family. You can have that peace, the peace of God, with any test that comes to your family. This is a prelude for next week. It's uh, Pentecost Sunday. You can be kind and gentle in situations where instead of wanting to be kind and gentle, you want to wallop somebody. You can be patient and have that self-control and have that moral goodness because now that fruit is in you, and the Holy Spirit will help to develop that through you and in you. Amen? You can be that kind of woman. If you want to be the kind of woman that scriptures talk about, a God-fearing woman, it starts with a relationship with Christ, being born again of the Spirit. Amen? And with that said, you are now indwelt by the Spirit, and you have the power to continually put to death those things in the flesh that may well up and keep you from being a godly woman. You can overcome through the power of God in your life, and you can fulfill and fill so those fruits become what? 
well-developed in your life. Amen? Through the power of God. Now, I want to end this morning with this. I've been in the neighborhood 29 years, and throughout these years, especially this morning, I look out at the ladies of this congregation, and I know I am blessed, as are the men, husbands, and children, because I'm gazing upon a sea of virtuous women. You are virtuous women. I've been in here 29 years. I've come to know many of you, and you are virtuous women. Virtuous moms, virtuous wives, and I believe in my heart of hearts, I could step into the pages of Scripture, especially Proverbs 31, and I can say this to you. Listen, I want to thank you for being this type of woman, this type of wife, and this type of mom we spoke about this morning. Thank you for being a watchman over your home and over this church. Thank you, ladies, for the godly wisdom you give to your husbands, to your elders, to those in this church to keep us on the straight and narrow. Thank you. And again, I and the men of this church want to thank you, and now we're going to take this time really to pray over you, to pray with you, that God will keep you, that he will help you to become the child of God, the woman of God, the wife of God, the mother of God, that he wants you to be. Amen? So I'm going to ask all the moms and ladies to stand this morning. One up, stand up. Stand up. And men, if you will, husbands, lay your hands on your wives. If there's a lady here on her own, children, if you're with your moms, come on now. Get up. Lay your hand on your wife, uh, your mom, sorry. Maribel's not here, but we can pray for Eddie. There's my little girl coming up to her mama. Somebody want to come up here, lay hands on Liz and Antoinette, Billy, you got your mom in front of you. Antoinette, why don't you join over there? Let's just pray. Father God, we come this morning. And Lord God, we thank you for these women. Lord, we thank you for our moms, for those of our older kids who are here with their moms today, for those who have moms who are still alive, Lord. For those who have had moms who have passed on, we thank you for those women that you've given us that raised us, Lord, that brought us life, Lord. And Father God, we want to thank you for our wives, our moms, Lord, these women of God, that you would bless them and anoint them, that Holy Spirit, you would fill them, that they will continue to become the women of God, the mothers you desire them to be, the wives you desire them to be, as they surrender to you, Holy Spirit, and that you allow the fruit of your spirit, my God, develop in their lives. Lord, bless them this morning. Help them this morning. Give them the wisdom they need. Give them the strength they need, Lord God, in all the situations that life throws at them. And when the world will tell them that they're backwards, that they're not becoming the influential woman of the world, let them know that they're making an influence for you and for your kingdom, which is far greater than any influence they can make on this world, Lord God. So bless these women this morning. I pray that you would just anoint them, Holy Spirit, with your power to be the kind of women you've called them to be. And Lord God, we thank you. As the men of this church, we thank you. As the sons of this church, we thank you. As the fathers of the women who have borne our children, we thank you today. God, bless them this day and every day as they are the glue that holds our family together. And we just give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we say, amen and amen. So now I'm going to ask, yes, thank you. I'm going to ask the Board of Elders to come on up. And I need a couple of you guys to help hand out a lovely little gift that we have for our ladies. So I see TJ. Come on up, man.
Actually, I wish we had a 